I really believe that deep inside of every one of you, there is a desire to be a part of, of something bigger than yourself. Like, I really believe that every side, inside of every one of you, I know we get busy, we get distracted, but inside of every one of you, it's like you're hardwired to actually do something to make the world a better place. There's this understanding that you were made for more than just a job and just a career and just money and just stuff and just things. And there's nothing wrong, by the way, there's nothing wrong with, with building a great company or in a business that's awesome, by the way. If God's blessed you with that opportunity, you should do your best at everything you do in your career. I think that's awesome. There's nothing wrong with doing great with sports and relationships and, and you're working hard on that. That's awesome. There's nothing wrong with doing well financially and, and you know, having a nice house or a bus. There's nothing wrong with any of those. But here's the thing I want you to understand, especially some of you that are on this journey right now where you're, you're just driven to go, I gotta get ahead, I gotta get more. Can I just tell you one thing? That no matter what you accomplish in this life, no matter how much money, no matter how big your company gets, no matter how high up the corporate ladder, no matter how much stuff you have, there will always be something in you that's missing if you are not actively engaged in making this world a better place. I'm just telling you, listen, you'd be shocked. I've had some opportunities to sit down with um, some CEOs in my lifetime of some companies you've heard of. And, and I'm telling you, some of the, many of these guys don't know the Lord. They're not Christians. And what's amazing is I'll be talking about, sometimes I'll start talking about my, old, my business, you know, life and just to connect with them and my, my world. And then I'll kind of shift in a little bit to what I do now and, and just kind of serve God and, and people and help people around the world and how much I love it. And it's amazing to me because here are some of these men that, listen, they don't even have a relationship with God. And, and as I'm talking to them about what I'm doing in the world, it's, it's amazing. Almost every single one of them are like, tell me more. Hey, maybe I could be, maybe my company could, can, what, what can I do? How can I, because why? Because there's something ingrained in us. There's something ingrained for us that from the time that we are kids, that there's just something in you. I want you to know this. You will never truly find fulfillment unless you are actively pouring yourself out to something bigger than yourself. And here's why. Because that's how God designed us. In fact, that's his nature. In fact, I want you to look at this verse because I want you to see this. Because this series won't make sense unless you understand this. Listen to what the scriptures declare about you, about your children. It says, for we, that's you, are God's handiwork. I love the word there. It actually could mean masterpiece. He's working and molding and shaping and doing something in you. And here's why. Because you were literally created in Christ Jesus. To what? To do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. In other words, I want you to see this. You were literally created with a purpose. You were created with a purpose to make this world a better place. You were created this purpose to pour your life out to something bigger than yourself. In fact, we like to say it like this here at Journey is that you were created on purpose for a purpose. And here's why this is so important. I want you to know this. Because this is why no matter what you do in life, you will never truly find fulfillment unless you're actually living what you were created to do. You won't. And I'm just telling you this. This is why when the other day my wife and I were talking about we were you know, going to do something for the kingdom of God and we brought our kids and explained them. We brought them into what our family's doing and both of them walked up to their, to their piggy banks and, and went and took some money. I said, I want to be a part of this. 
Why? Because there's something wired in us because we were created on purpose and we were created for a purpose. I just want you to understand this. So no matter what you're running after, the college you're trying to get into, the grades, the career, the job, the looks, the athletic accomplishment, whatever it is that's waking you up and driving you day after day after day, can I tell you something? There's nothing wrong with those things. But at the end of the day, that's not your purpose. That's not why you were created. That not, that's not what makes you great. And that's never going to bring you fulfillment. Why do you think you see so many people in the business, in the professional world, entertainment world, in the business world, and they have everything the world offers, and yet there's an emptiness in them. There's a searching in them. There's a void in them. Why? Because you were created. And let me tell you something. If you're not fulfilling what you were created and designed to do, you will never try, truly find fulfillment. This is the problem, parents, when we train our kids so much to get into the right school, which, by the way, that's great. And we train our kids so much to excel at sports, and we don't teach them. You were created on a purpose for a purpose. I took my son to student ministries. I remember looking, and there was this little girl, and she was standing by herself, and, and she was in sixth grade, and it was her first, like, first times here. And, um, and she was just standing by herself, and I walked over to Scotty, and I said, hey, buddy, listen to me. I said, you see the little girl over there? I said, yeah. See, part of our purpose is she's alone, and we, that's not how she's going to stay. And so part of your purpose, you were crazy. Let's go talk to her. Let's bring Rocket, my dog, over. Let's let her pet. In other words, we got to make her feel special. Do you see the principle? So you were created on a purpose. I want my children to understand. On the way here, I drove them here because my wife is over in Boynton today. And so I drove them here and I said, hey, kids, listen to me. Remember, this is your day to serve God. You're not just here to play, you know, games and have fun. And I take them to that cafe and give them cinnamon rolls. They get all sugared up. You can thank me later. Those are children's ministry, right? So, but, but listen, when you walk into that children's ministry and you see a kid alone, listen, you were made on purpose, for a purpose, you make sure they feel loved. You make sure they feel included. You don't know what, it, you know what it's like to walk into a place you don't know someone. This is your purpose. In other words, we need to understand how we were designed and created because we will never truly find fulfillment. And by the way, it, I, I also believe there's, we will never truly experience a true connection with God in the way that we were designed to unless we're fulfilling the purpose that God created us to do. Now, here's the second thing I want us to understand, and that is this, is that your purpose is connected to building God's kingdom. And the reason why I share this is because some people go, okay, that's great. So I just, I, I need to just kind of do something on my own. And, and I just want to individually, and I want you to hear this by myself, just do nice things for others. And that's great. But what I want you to understand is you actually made for more than that. And what you're going to learn today and over the next few weeks is that you were actually created to be a part of a community that is bringing the kingdom of God to this earth. That the way that God designed you to be fulfilled and actually live your life, period, is this. Is that you were designed and your, your, your calling is actually connected to a greater community. And this is actually beautiful. Why? Because life isn't as fulfilling when you do it alone. But when you get together, you guys ever play sports, you get together on a team of people that are united for something bigger than themselves and you begin to use the gifts that God has given you and you make this world a better place and you start to bring God's rule and reign and you bring God's will to this earth. I'm telling you, this is how you and why you were created. It's actually to be a part of a church community that's making this world a better place. In fact, this is exactly what Jesus tells his disciples. He dies on the cross for the sins of the world. He resurrects and comes back to life. And I love this. I want you to bring, I want to bring you into the conversation where he's giving out this calling to all of his followers. And I want you to see how it's connected. It's connected to his church. Here's what you hear him say. He says this, for Jesus appeared to them over a period of 40 days and he spoke about, I want you to see this, the kingdom of God. 
Now, just to kind of understand this, um, it's the phrase, makut shumahim. And what it literally meant was the rule and the reign of God. That the kingdom of God coming to this earth was what Jesus talked about, listen to this, more than any other subject in the entirety of the Bible. Jesus talked over it, not just about getting to heaven one day, but actually bringing the rule and the reign, the will of God to this earth. And for 40 days, he's talking to the disciples. Hey guys, let me tell you something. Let me tell you what's coming from heaven to earth. Let me tell you what you're about to experience here on this earth. In fact, Jesus from the beginning has been teaching about this. In fact, if you've ever prayed what's called the Lord's Prayer, what did you pray? Our Father who art in heaven, holy be your name. Hey God, you are other, and we want everyone to know, God, you are awesome, you are majestic, you are powerful, you spoke the universe into existence. In your presence, nobody can stand. You are not like a man, you are other. That's what holy means, by the way. You are unlike anything else. And we want you, we wanna pray that everyone in the world begins to know about the otherness, if you will, of God. And the next thing he says we pray is, and by the way, then you pray, his kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, what happens in a kingdom? See, in a kingdom, there is no Congress. There is no popular vote. It's whatever the king's will is, is done. Whatever the king's values are, they are passed down. And he says, guys, here's what your prayer should be. Here's what I want you to focus on. Here's what I've come to do. I've come to bring the will of my father, the values of my father, which are happening in heaven here on earth. And by the way, what have you seen Jesus doing? He's been bringing justice where there's injustice. He's been loving children that have been pushed aside. He's been going to people that the society says you're nothing, and he's been valuing them. He's been standing up for what's right, setting the oppressed free. He's doing all, what is he doing? Jesus is literally bringing the rule and the reign of heaven to earth. And he looks at the disciples and he goes, for 40 days, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna teach you about what I'm about to do in this earth. And oh, by the way, I'm not gonna do it because I'm going to heaven. I'm gonna use you to do it. And so then he says this, and I want you to hear this. He says this, so on one occasion, while he was eating with them, talking to them about this kingdom of God, bringing the rule and reign to earth, he gave them this command. He says, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days, you're gonna be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You're be filled with God. And I love this. He goes, guys, I'm talking about the kingdom of heaven and how you're going to bring this to earth. It's going to be awesome. So wait, because I'm going to do something in you before I do something through you. But I want you to think and see next what the disciples say, because it's, it's, it's actually what, what I think it reveals something that we struggle with from time to time. And I want you to see how Jesus is teaching them over and over and over again. Hey, you're gonna bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. You're gonna be the light of the world. How you love one another is gonna, like, you know, let your good deeds shine before men's people. Praise God. He's been teaching them for three years about how they're to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. He just tells them, hey, I'm about to teach you about the kingdom and I'm gonna empower you. But notice their response. Notice what they say next. So when they met together, they asked the Lord, hey, uh, Jesus, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And I want you to get the glimpse of what's happening here because it's so powerful. And here's what they're saying. Hey, Jesus, here's what the question we have. That's great. You know, you're gonna empower us and we're gonna bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. But here's what I really wanna know. When are you gonna come back and, and like, like change the world? 
And the image is this. I love this. Have you ever, you ever kind of watched a movie? I don't know if you guys ever watched the Avengers movies or whatever. They're probably the biggest movies series of all time, right? But like, you ever have those moments in your life where you kind of, if you've ever watched any of them and you're sitting back and there's like the, all the evils going around the world and you're sitting in your seat and you're watching Thor come down with a hammer and Iron Man shoot things. And the idea is you're just sitting there and you're sitting there as a consumer, as a, as a bystander looking out going, man, I just can't wait till the Avengers save the world. I got popcorn, we got a Slurpee. It's gonna be awesome watching this movie. See, that's what the disciples are saying, aren't they? Hey, Jesus, great. You're gonna bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. That's wonderful. Here's what I really wanna know. Um, when are you gonna come down with your angels and like wipe out all the evil and like restore us? We just wanna know Jesus. We just wanna know Jesus when you're gonna kind of bring your kingdom to this earth. Because we got, we got the popcorn ready. We're ready to sit back and spectate and watch your angels do their thing. We've heard of them. We've seen them, by the way. We've seen your power. We've seen your authority. We're ready. We're ready, Jesus. When, when are you gonna do it? You, you see the heart of the disciples? And I love what Jesus says. I love this. So powerful. Here's what Jesus says. He says this. It's not for you to know the times or dates the Father is set by his own authority. Yeah, I'm coming back. I am gonna have angels. We are gonna be a mighty army. We're gonna wipe out evil. But that's not what I want you to think about. Why? Because that's not gonna be in your lifetime. That's gonna be thousands of years later. And notice how I want you to see this. As here the disciples are, they're sitting and they're asking Jesus, I got the popcorn, I want, I'm ready for the watch. I'm ready to spectate while you bring your kingdom of heaven to earth. And notice what Jesus says, and I love how he switches it. And I want you to see how many times Jesus turns it from what he's gonna do to what he's gonna do through them. He says, but you, that's the disciples, followers, will receive Power, by the way, it's word dunamis, dynamite, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and notice the next verse, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. What was Jesus saying? Hey boys, it's not a spectator sport. Put the popcorn down. You're not watching me do it. I'm gonna work through you and watch you do it. Your job is to bring my kingdom to this earth as a church community. You're gonna gather together in a community and you saw me set the oppressed free. I'm gonna give you the same spiritual authority over that enemy that I had over them to set the oppressed free. You saw me love the children and care for them. You're gonna do that. You saw me care for orphans and widows. You're gonna go do that. You saw me tell everybody who my father is. You're gonna reveal God to the world. You saw me walk out and bring justice with injustice. You're gonna do it because listen to me, you've got the power You've got the calling and you are gonna be the ones that bring my kingdom to this earth. In essence, Jesus is literally preparing them to continue the same ministry that he was doing. And I love the disciples' heart because the idea was, well, who, what can I do? Like, gee, I'm ready to watch. <laughs> this is gonna be great. I'm gonna watch like, the, like, I don't know if it's you, the angel. I'm gonna watch someone else bring your kingdom to earth. But what, what am I going to do. And I love this because I love what Jesus is saying is that your calling is connecting to building God's kingdom in this earth. Do you understand? That you've got this purpose and it's to be a part of something bigger than yourself. It's not just you alone. It's actually through the church of Jesus Christ to be the light and the hope of the world. And you are part of a greater community that's drawing all this attention, that's draw, bringing all this glory to who God is by how we live. And I want you to see, see church is not about consuming, it's about contributing. 
Because the Bible actually says you are the body of Christ. You are a part of something bigger than yourself. And God wants us to use our time and our treasures and our talents to bring his kingdom together to this earth. In fact, listen to this. This isn't the first time Jesus had this conversation with his disciples. In fact, I I love this part of the Bible because what this is, this is actually a continuation of another part of the scriptures just a little bit earlier when he took his disciples on a field trip for the first time ever to really cast the vision of what church and what their role is, which by the way is our role and how we were designed to be, once again, the light of the world. And so what happens one day when Jesus takes his disciples to a place called Caesarea and Philippi. And and I love this story. In fact, I told my kids this the other day because Caesarea Philippi, we got kind of a picture of it right here, um, was probably one of the darkest places in the ancient world. And what I mean by that is um, there was a uh, a wall right in here and there's a hole in the ground in the mountain and they could not find the bottom of this hole in the ancient days. And so it literally became known as the gateway to hell or the gateway to the underworld. And so on this massive, huge rock, they would build this temple and they worship a God named Pan. And so um, in this time, just to kind of, because I know there's little ears that might be watching, I'm not gonna go into too specifics, but basically to worship Pan in our culture, you have to be 21 or older. And I'll leave it at that. You can explain to your kids later, have fun. But, <laughs> right, so it was dark. In fact, there was human sacrifice. There was just some really, really dark stuff going on in this place. And so I told my kids, you know, one day Jesus brought all these teenage disciple boys to a place their mamas would have been so mad. And they're like, what? And so their eyes got this big as I just shared this with my own children a few weeks ago. And so what we're talking about, so he brings them there to this giant rock. He takes them to a place that no good Jewish boy would have ever gone. I can imagine they're all going, we're going where? Like imagine the red light district. Hey kids, we're gonna take a student ministry trip to the red light district. Mom, she's okay with that, you know? And it's like, that's kind of what's happening. But there's a reason for it. Because Jesus takes these disciples there. Remember, he's trying to say, hey, your, your, your purpose, your calling is connected to building God's kingdom on this earth. So he takes them to one of the darkest places on earth and he asks them this question right here at the foot of this temple. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the son of man is? Like everyone's talking about, the kings are wanting to get involved and and have a relationship with Jesus because they know of the miracles. Everyone's talking because when you're in a small town and a guy's never walked for 40 years and he stands up and walks around or a blind person can see, they know you can't fake it. It's not like TV, you can't manufacture miracles because everyone knew everyone and the word began to spread of Jesus when you feed thousands of people and you speak to nature and it obeys. And even the Roman, we have Roman authors and historians who don't even believe, talking about, about the miracles that this guy named Jesus has done. And so everybody is talking about Jesus. And so we ask the question, who do people say that I am? They know you're not just human because a human being can't do what you do. And I love what the disciples say. They go, well, here's what is, they replied, some people think you're John the Baptist, someone that was killed and came back to life. Others say you're Elijah, an ancient prophet, still others, Jeremiah, another prophet or other prophets. And then Jesus, but what about you? He asked. The 12 of you, who, who do you say that I am? No, you've seen me. You've seen all the miracles. You've seen me with my father. You've seen me live. You've seen everything. So here's the question I have for you. And I want you to, this is a power. This probably is the most important question that any human being will ever answer in their entire life. Who do you say that Jesus is? And listen to what Peter says. Because in it, you're gonna see it's, it's connected to your calling. And here's what he says. Um, you are the Messiah, Jesus, which means Savior, and the Son of the living 
God. You, you are the Messiah, the Savior, and the Son of the living God. Here's what I want to say. There's, there's two things that you need to understand that are connected to your calling and they're connected to the purpose and they're connected to the church, and that is this. The first is, I want everyone to know you, you're the son of the living God. You are not a man. You're, you're not a good teacher. Actually, Jesus, you're a great teacher, forgive me. But you're not just a great teacher. Can I clarify that? You're a wonderful teacher, Jesus. But you're more than that. You, you speak to nature and it obeys you. You make uh, water turn to wine in a moment. You defy science as we know it. You can walk through walls. You can walk on water. You, you, have, you have authority over evil. You, you're not a human being. There's something different about you. And, the, and so the first thing that Peter says, hey, that, that you need to understand what's connected to your calling is helping people understand that Jesus is God. And the second thing is that he's also the Savior. That's what Messiah meant. See, God had promised for many, many years that he was going to send a Messiah, a Savior that's going to rescue mankind. He was going to be the pathway to God. And that's why the scriptures say, no, there, there's no other name given to mankind that must be saved except for Jesus. He's the way, the truth. No one gets the Father except for him. Why? Because he's the only divine son of God, and he's the only one that died on the cross for your sins, and he's the pathway that, G, that God has created for us to give our faith in him. And as we believe in Jesus, make him our Lord, we get the spirit of God, the power of God, we get salvation, we get forgiveness. Everything flows through Jesus. And I love this because Simon goes, we know who you are. You, you're your God, and you're the Savior of all of the world. You are the Messiah. And I want you to understand, because those two things are so connected to your calling. Help people understand this. And Jesus responds to him, and he says, Hey, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. God's the one who lets you know who I was. And then you see the first mention, by the way, of the word church in the Bible, in the New Testament. Here it is. And I tell you, that you are Peter, and on this rock, remember where they are, Caesarea Philippi, giant rock, gates of hell, right? And on the darkest place in the earth, I, Jesus, will build my, and there's that word, church. And the gates of Hades, or the gates of hell, remember with underworld, will not overcome it. And I want you to understand what happens in this moment because it's kind of powerful. Because he looks at a group of men, and he says, guys, I wanna tell you something. You're the church, and I'm going to build it, and where I'm going to build it is right here, and you're going to charge the darkness, and you're going to bring light to the darkness, but here's what I love about this word church. See, the word Jesus chose to use for church isn't, wasn't a religious term. He didn't use the word temple. He didn't use the, the, the normal words described for religious institutions. That the word um, church there is actually the word ecclesia. And ecclesia literally means a called out community. It's a gathering of individuals that come together as a community for a purpose. It was actually used as a political term, not even a religious term back in that day, just for the record. And the idea was people would all unite together, all these individuals, they would come together and say, hey, here's what we want to see done. Let's gather together in community to make it happen. And this is so important because when we often see this word church, by the way, which probably shouldn't even be translated church, it should be translated to community or gathering of people, uh, whatever it is. When Jesus said this, this is so powerful. He looks at these individuals, men, and by the way, probably women that were a party had both those followers. And he looks at them and goes, guys, I want to tell you something. 
that you are gonna be together, this group of individuals that are gonna come together with a community with a purpose. And the purpose is, by the way, let everyone know that I am God's son and that I am God's source of salvation. And you're gonna create such a movement together as a community in Ecclesia that you're gonna storm the literal gates of hell and you're gonna go into the darkest place of the world and bring light. You're gonna bring love and justice and peace, by the way, and power and authority. And you're gonna build orphanages in my name. And my church is actually gonna be the light of the world. And my church is gonna bring glory to my Father and glory to my name. And my church is gonna be holy and special. It's gonna be on a rescue mission. They're not gonna be consumers sitting in beautiful auditoriums, listening to communicators and singing songs. They're gonna be an offensive movement, a community on a purpose, made on purpose, for a purpose to be the light and the hope of the world. And I want you to understand something. Listen to this. That's your calling. That's your calling. See, it's not the church's job as you would define church. Why? Because you are the church. It's not my job. It's our job. And I want you, because what Jesus does here is so powerful. He looks at these individuals. Remember, they're there with the popcorn. Hey, God, tell us what you're gonna do. It's caramel corn. That's why I keep eating it. It's really good. I might just put it later in just so I can eat more of it, but mm, that's good stuff. Sorry. You see the heart of Jesus? I want you to see this. Why? Because you do have a purpose, but your calling is not alone. It's not just to love people. That's great. Your calling is to be part of the church that goes out into the world and through loving people and, brings, and, and, and letting people know that Jesus is the Son of God and the Savior of the world, right? That that, that, that is our purpose, is to be a part of it. And here's what I'm gonna say. So, so some of you, let me just make this personal. How do we do that? Because it's like, it's one thing to be inspired and go, oh, that's awesome. I'm, I'm created on purpose, <laughs> for a purpose. And that purpose is to build God's church, Jesus' church on this earth, bringing his rule and his wisdom. So how do I do that? Let me tell you how to do that. Well, I mean, let me just give you some easy ways. There's lots of ways, but how about this? What about serving in Jesus' church? I mean, I don't, I don't want to get too crazy right now, but that's just, could that be a way? See, the Bible says, I want you to hear this, I, I, but the Bible says this, that we are a body and that each one of us is a part of it. By the way, the Bible says every one of you, by the way, have a gift. We're all a part of the body of Christ and that together we're called to once again go out and be the light and hope of the world. So when we serve in the church of Jesus Christ, and there's all these different ways to do it, what are we doing? We're bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth. We're doing what God created us to do. In fact, last week, we actually showed a story in a video of a man named Bruce and, um, and his wife. And we, we talked about how Bruce grew up in a home with an abusive father and wanting nothing to do with God, nothing to do with religion at all. And he was completely away and, and him, and they were separated. And they had five kids and life wasn't going well. And one day, Bruce walks into these doors. I don't even know what campus he went to, if it's Boynton or Lake Worth. Either way, same church. And he walks into these doors. And if you remember the video, what did he say? Man, the people just loved me. And, and they high-fived me. And then I saw my kids being taken care of and people from the journey pouring out and loving on my kids. And I'm like, you know what? I was against this, but now all of a sudden I want to be a part of this. And then I, I, he said, I listened to messages about God's word being taught, right? Jesus, son of God and the savior of the world. See the value? Here's what that is. Why, what is that? Who did that? The church did that. 
Do you see the principle? I know you did that, but it was the church that did that. See, as you begin to serve, as you begin to do what God's called you to do, and you're loving people, but you're not just doing it on your own. You're doing it through the church of Jesus. And then he looks on and goes, wow, if this is what Jesus' church is, this must be an awesome Jesus. I'm going to follow God. Why? Because God got the glory, even though you did it. Does that make sense? See what Jesus is saying? He's like, hey, you're a part of this community. And the reason why it's so important to serve through the church of Jesus is because then when we're serving, who gets the glory? Jesus. Because Jesus did say, Jesus said that his church is the hope of the world, the light of the world, if you will. And it's so important to be a part of this. This is why, listen to this, not just serving. This is why student ministries, I had the privilege to come here Wednesday night and it was amazing. We had, um, we had over 300 and something students show up on a Wednesday night to, to, to learn about Jesus and to worship. And I'll never forget this moment because at the end of it, Pastor Connor, who um, was here somewhere, I just saw him earlier, was, was talking about Jesus, right? And who he is and he wants his salvation. Except we wanted, we didn't want like this easy salvation where people just raise their hands or do something simple. We actually go, we want, we want to know um, if you're really serious. And we said, okay, I want you to know something. If, if you're a kid here and you want to give your life to Jesus, make him your Lord and Savior. We want you to walk forward in front of all of your peers and stand right up front. And, and as I was sitting there praying and, and walking through this, um, I snapped this picture. And there was 47 kids, students. That I want you to hear this, listen to this. 47 students who came forward in front of all their peers and surrendered their life to Jesus. And here's what that means. Their eternity has changed forever. Like they've got the spirit of God now in them. Okay, that means they have the power they need to get through all the craziness of this world. Their lives transformed forever. But why did it happen? Let me tell you how amazed I was as I stood there on that Wednesday night and I watched all of these, you know, these students and all these activities and bounce houses. I watched, I, there had to be 50, 70 different adults that were in there pouring into those students. I watched them, everything from the door all the way around. I watched small group leaders, listen to this, week after week, mentoring these kids. I watched some of these kids go from, from person to person. They will, some of these uh, leaders have stayed with their kids from sixth grade to 12th grade every year, and they're just staying with them, and they're mentoring, and they're pouring them, and they're teaching that Jesus is the Son of God and the Savior of the world, and he is, he is more than just salvation in heaven. Where he can transform your life. He is your source. Here's how you live. Here's how I help you do this. There were teams that fasted and prayed. By the way, there's people that you that gave to help make this all happen. What happened is all of these kids' lives were touched. Why? Because the church was the church. Do you see what? See, it's not an individual. You're not on your own. But as you begin to serve and you're a part of this, what are you doing? You're transforming people's lives. You've heard stories two weeks in a row of people whose small groups changed their life. And so what was happening? Somebody goes, hey, I'm going to lead a small group. I'm going to open my, or I might not lead it, but I'll open my home. Or I'm just going to go in to be a part of it. And as I do these things, what are you doing? You're loving on people. And who gets the glory? God. It's the church. And this is so important to understand. Like it's so important to understand. You were created for this. That Jesus said the church is literally the light of the entire world. There's no other plan. And yet the church is imperfect, including ours. But we are the hope, we are the light of the world. And you were created on purpose for a purpose. And your purpose is actually to use your time, your treasures and talent to bring God's kingdom to this earth, this earth through his church. And part of it is we just, we just serving, right? 
It's investing and inviting. It's inviting someone to church. We saw, heard that earlier in a baptism. Somebody got invited to church and their lives were changed forever because of that. See, see, see what I'm saying? You can, you can, you're, you're a part of this. You gotta put the popcorn down. You're not a spectator, you're a part of it. So part of what you can do is you can serve. Here's the other part, you can give. And I know we don't take a, like a formal offering here, but it doesn't mean that your tithing or generosity towards God doesn't matter. In fact, God, I want you to see this from the beginning of, of, of creation of mankind has always created this, the same system. And that is that we as followers of God take the first 10% and we bring it into, and here's what the scriptures say, his storehouse, which is what? The church. By the way, that first 10%, God says, isn't even yours. We don't get to decide what to do with it. I wanna help Aunt Becky. I wanna know. You can do that with your 90%, but the 10%, God says, don't give it. You bring it because it's not yours in the first place. And here's what God says. And I want you to bring it into my storehouse, not because he needs it. He says, so there may be food in my house. What is God saying? I want my church to have so much resources that my church is out in all of the world being the light of the world and building orphanages, doing all these things. Why? Because they're a, they're a resource. And then I'll bless the 90% that's left over. And he promises to make it go far beyond, by the way, the 100% you kept on your own. But understand what he's saying. What he's saying is the way that you were designed, one way you were designed to be part of the kingdom of God is through our tithing. Like understand something, if we think we're generous, the tithing was the floor, not the ceiling, just for the record. I know that's a lot for some people, but this is the way God actually designed it to work, is that every single Christian takes the first 10%, it doesn't go where they want, it goes into God's house, and then God's house is filled with so much resources, we go out all across the world, and people might look, I don't know if I believe in, in Jesus, but wow, I want a church in every city, because look at what they do in that difference. I think, of, I think of what we do at First Saturday Serve, we gather together. By the way, we have two people whose full-time jobs, we pay a salary, and I say we, that's you, because your generosity, your giving, that pays a salary. And all their responsibility is, is to use our time, treasures, and talents in this church to go out there in the world and serve. Two people, their full-time job. That's how much we're engaged in the world and community. By the way, we've given almost $2 million and, and built, uh, helped build four schools, over 800-something kids in Haiti. Where we're listening. This is why it's so important to go through the church. I want you to see this. So when these kids are getting fed and they get their clothing and they get an education and we're not just teaching them about math and science, we're going, oh, by the way, you know Jesus is the Son of God and the Savior of the world? Hey, by the way, do you, do you know why you're being loved right now? It's the church that's doing this. It's not Pepsi or Chick-fil-A. No, this is the church. This is the church of Jesus Christ, which by the way, you are a part of. And because God loved you so much, he sent us out on a mission. And so when you're eating your rice and your beans and you're learning your math and you're learning about Jesus, I want you to understand something. Who's getting the glory? Not an organization, if you will, not a corporation, I should say, but the church. Do you see what God's heart is? I want you to get this. Like you're a part of this, it matters. It matters. We just went over to Haiti and we just spent, I think, $30,000 a few months ago to help finish a project with other churches. And we built a community center um, in Haiti. And we built this community center there where people can come and they can learn about Jesus. They can learn about the Bible. They can learn about God. Because what good is it if we give them all the food in the world, but their soul doesn't connect with God for eternity, amen? And so we teach them those things there. And, the, and, and not only that, we teach them how to farm. We teach them how to let's just have sustained you know, incomes and education. We create community centers for soccer for them to hang out. Why? Because, and then people come in and they see all this. Where does this come from? Well, it doesn't come from an organ, a corporation. No, it comes from the church. Because God built the church 
to be the light of the world, to bring him glory and him honor and him praise and turn all the attention to him. And so as a church, what are we doing? We spent over two, $2 million to build, help these kids. We built, build these four schools and these churches. We helped build a community center. We went, when the earthquake happened, we helped send over things. Same thing with Afghanistan right now. You know, we see what's going on in the world and it, it's heartbreaking, it's heartbreaking. Brandt, who spoke at men's ministry, is part of an organization called Cure. He's been over there multiple times, and he was sharing a little bit um, with, with, with me. And, and, you know, right now, what's happening, if you're a Christian, it's a death sentence. And unfortunately, the Afghan army just gave up all of the intel, which has the information of who Christians are. And so what did the church do? Well, we, we, we've got we to gotta love one another. We're going to have to do something about this. So what we've done is we've helped sponsor these families that have had to, they can't go to the bank. They can't access their money. They have to run for their life. So what are we doing as a church? We're, we're helping pay and supporting for them. Why? Because the church is the light of the world. The church is the hope of the world, and you are the body of Christ, and your generosity is a part of it. You see, God says, I want my storehouse to be filled so, so, when, so when the goodness is done, they're praising God, not a corporation. We don't want the UN to get credit for what the church is supposed to do. Does that make sense? This is why as a church, we built over 25 homes for people living in impoverished areas and we hand the keys to them and say, I want you to know something. This, this isn't from a, a corporation. This isn't from an individual. This is from the church of Jesus. This is how God loves you. See, let, let your good deeds be, be seen by men so they can give praise to the heaven. In, in Iran, uh, we just gave over $20,000 to, to smuggle 7,000 Bibles in because they can't get them. And, and they will actually search your phones. And if they see something on there, once again, it's a death sentence um, in Iran to do that. And so we've got to hide, get them you know, paper Bibles so they can do it. And they have no access to God's word. And so we actually helped smuggle 7,000 Bibles in a few months ago to uh, Iran to let these people that are starving to learn about that Jesus is the Son of God and the Savior of the world. And can I just say something real quick? Just I want you to hear this. I want you to hear my heart behind this as well. This is the problem with the social justice movement that leaves Jesus out. And, and, and listen, I, and, I, and I know, and I, I'm not, like I love that your heart is to help people. That's great. But, but here's the problem. If Jesus is the, truly the Son of God and the Savior of the world, right? He's the only way. He's the only way to get forgiveness. He's the only way to have the Spirit of God in, you know, in them. And if Jesus says, I want my church to bring me glory, so I'm gonna do my church and the gates of hell are not gonna stop it. When we take our money and our time and our treasures and we bypass the very community of people designed to bring God's glory, then what, how, we leave Jesus out. Well, we don't want people to be offended, so we gotta love people, but we're not gonna like love them with Jesus' name. Here's my question. Are we really helping them the best? And my question I wanna challenge you with is, there's nothing wrong with serving people, but your ultimate calling is this. We gotta be careful not to bypass the plan that God created. And that plan is that you use your time, your treasures, and your talents to pour into Jesus' church, not just Journey Church, but a lot of church, but church into church. And then the church is designed to go out there and be the light of the world. And you are a part of a greater community doing something so much bigger than ourselves. But we just need to make sure that what we're doing is actually pointing not to us, not to even our company or whatever, but, but to Jesus. Because he's the son of God and he's the savior of the world. And he's the only source of salvation. And our job is to bring him glory. Amen? Amen. Last thing I want to go before I close is this. I want to just challenge you in this. is I'm not saying, listen to this, I'm not saying there's not gonna be a cost involved, because there is. But what I wanna just encourage you when it comes to this is this, 
unless you are using the gifts that God has given you to bring his kingdom to this earth, and I think it's through the church, that's the way God designed it, you're never gonna truly find fulfillment. You won't, you won't. Because you were made for more. Like, I want you to see this. You were designed this. And when the church of Jesus comes together, and listen, we're not perfect. I can tell you right now, we're not. Like, there might be a couple areas of our church we do really, really well, and that's awesome. But we're not perfect. You're never gonna find a perfect church because if you did, you couldn't even serve at it. But what I'm saying is, (laughs) is at the end of the day, the church is not just a place you go to consume. It's a place you were designed to contribute. But listen, listen, there's not a place in the Bible that rewards you for the church that you attend but God will reward you for the church that you are. And I just wanna encourage us, that little thing in you that's driving you, I wanna be a part of something more great, then start using your time, your treasures and your talent to build the church of Jesus Christ on this earth to give him glory. Because I'm just telling you right now, no matter what you do in your life, you will never truly experience fulfillment unless you do what you're created to do. And you were created in Christ Jesus to do good works, that you are the ecclesia, you're the body of Christ. And together, when we all begin to do what God created us to do, we become the light of the world. We become an unstoppable force of good that knocks down even the gates of hell. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let me pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for the privilege to be a part of something so special. God, I just thank you so much for your church. Thank you for your plan to change this world. God, I know right now, whether it's encouraging people to serve and step up and go to discover, whether it's, whether it's getting people to get into a small group, invite people to church, be generous, whatever it might be. God, will you begin to help people step into the calling that you have given them and created for them in this life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.